Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Lord, we thank you for everything you're doing in this place today. Thank you that you came down and died on the cross for our sins, Lord. And we thank you for this Christmas season. Although it can be busy for a lot of us, it can be stressful for a lot of us. We just pray that you help us see the joy and the beauty. And Lord, just help us to, to worship you this morning, God, to hear your word, Lord, and just to take a moment and just rest in you, God. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas. Let's try that again. Good morning. Merry Christmas. It is Christmas time. Are you guys excited? I love Christmas. I love the sights, the sounds, the songs, the food, the colors, all of it. Uh, some of my favorite moments of Christmas are, are sitting there late at night when the house has gotten a little bit quiet. Maybe there's a fire going and the lights are on the Christmas tree right next to the fire and it's just quiet. And I've got a book or I'm reading something and it's just some good stillness. And I love the warmth of the season. And Christmas isn't awesome for everybody. Christmas is hard for some people. It's difficult and challenging for others because of loss and, and, and difficulty with family and a sense of loneliness. Um, but for others, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And it's here. It's coming. I hope you've gotten your shopping done because Christmas is coming. It's here. Um, this morning, I want to lead us through as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to understand that this is a season to grow as you follow Jesus. Christmas is an opportunity for you to mature as a disciple of Jesus. Because here's what's true. Christmas is going to test a lot of us. It's going to test a lot of us. It's going to challenge who we are at the core of our faith and our following of Jesus. Christmas is actually going to be a time of great temptation for a lot of us. Christmas is one of those moments when you need to, to snap the chin strap on your helmet, you need to put the pads on, you need to get in a ready stance, you need to be on your guard, people of God, because Christmas is delightful and wonderful, but there's a lot of temptation and there's a lot of testing. It's a huge opportunity to grow. So this morning, we're going to be talking about what it is to follow Jesus during Christmas. And before you ask, yes, you should follow Jesus all year long, not just during Christmas, but during the holiday, during the season, there are some unique challenges. And we're going to talk about it through the frame of what I like to use for discipleship and following Jesus in four categories, thinking, habits, character, and relationships. When you're thinking about your discipleship and who you are as a Christian, you can break it down. This isn't all-inclusive, but it kind of breaks down nicely into these realms. Thinking is loving God with your mind. You and I are to be people who understand what we believe the best we can understand it. 
We're not to hide and, and run away from hard questions about the Bible. We're to engage our mind. We're to read and study and to think and to, to, to understand who God is, to love God with our mind. So we aren't just people of blind faith. We are people who use the brains that God has given us. Amen? We also, though, in our habits, the way that we love God as we practice our faith. What do your habits look like as a follower of Jesus? How do you show your relationship with God? How do you demonstrate that? How do you live that out on your daily life? Those are your habits. And then your character, loving God with your inner holiness, the real you on the inside. The attitudes that people can't see from the look on your face, the thoughts that are going through your mind, your approach, your take, your reaction to things, who you are on the inside, and then finally, in your relationships, loving God by loving others. You're going to have an opportunity this season. One of the ways that you'll get to show your love for God will be in the way you respond to the people you encounter. And some of them will be strangers, and some of them will be people you grew up with. And you're going to get a chance to love God by the way you love others. Over the holidays, I want you to think about these four aspects. It's a season of testing, a season of temptation. It's a season of growth and opportunity. And would you be this postured person today here at the ramp up to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day of saying to the Lord, Lord, I want to grow as a believer in Christ. I want to grow and mature as a Christian in this season. I want to mature in my thinking. I want to mature in my habits. I want to mature in my character. I want to mature in my relationships and how those play out all to the glory of Christ Jesus. Season is a big moment of opportunity, so let's dive in together. First of all, loving God with your mind. Let's talk about thinking here for a second. And I want to put a question for you today. How can I love God with my mind? Instead of just picking all of the different aspects of Christmas and evaluating that theologically, there's a big one in there that you may or may not have ever thought about before. And here's the question. What is the significance of the virgin birth? Like, I don't know. Can we just sing the songs? Can't we just sing away in a manger and round yon virgin, and we don't know what that means, but round yon virgin. Yeah, mother and child. What, I want us to love God with our mind. I want us to think about that. I want us to understand why that is significant and why that matters. It starts back in the book of Isaiah. It'll come up on your screen here. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 the prophet Isaiah said there would come a time, he's speaking on behalf of the Lord, the Lord is putting these words in his heart and in his mouth, and the word of the Lord from Isaiah is, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, a sign when, when the kingdom of God is coming, when the Messiah is about to make his debut. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, History is happening, and the people of God are looking for this sign. They are waiting, and part of what the virgin birth is about has to do with the fulfillment of a promise. In Luke chapter 1, verses uh, 26 to 35, we see um, the birth of Jesus foretold and, and the announcement of the angel. In verse 26, um, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in, Naz in Galilee. 
and to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin, now let's hold, hold on in this verse. Notice the word virgin is used twice. Luke is really trying to help us realize this is the virgin. This is the virgin. If you were waiting for a virgin, remember Isaiah. Remember Isaiah. Remember Isaiah. Virgin pled to be married. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Let's hang out here on this verse here for a moment. The angel explains why this is significant. And I want you and me, I, I want us to have a, a time this morning where we're loving God with our mind and we're going, why does the virgin birth matter? Why, okay, we, we know it is a virgin birth, but why does it matter? Why is that significant? Let's Engage God with our thinking this morning. Let me give you three reasons for why it matters. First of all, it means that Jesus is holy, not guilty of original sin. It means that Jesus is holy, not guilty of original sin, because the Holy Spirit is the one who caused the pregnancy in Mary. The Spirit of God, divine, holy God, person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, overshadowed Mary. And we have no idea what that means. And in that moment, Mary, human Mary, became pregnant. And Luke is telling us there in that passage, he will be the Holy One, meaning he will not have the original sin from the line of Adam. God and man coming together, which is the second reason the virgin birth matters. It's a miracle that points to God's chief role in our salvation. Mankind is helpless to save itself. You and I could do nothing to earn forgiveness from God. You and I could do nothing to repair the relationship with God that was broken by sin. And so God stepped in. The opportunity for our salvation through the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection got started because God came down. Jesus was not just a man with divine tendencies. Jesus was not just a man who came and had lots of interesting and wise things to say. Jesus was not just a man who could do some miraculous things. Jesus is God. And the fact that his birth happened through a virgin is a miracle. And it points to the fact that our God was involved in our salvation. 
third and last one of why this matters. We're stretching our brains this morning. We're going to love God with our mind. The third one is, is it means that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. What does that mean? That means that Jesus didn't just kind of have a uh, Messiah complex that dawned on him one day. It doesn't mean that Jesus was sort of chosen to be the Messiah when he got baptized. Jesus is and always has been part of the Trinity. Jesus has pre-existed creation. Jesus didn't make his debut in Bethlehem. Jesus is and always has been and always will be. But God came to earth and he was fully God and fully man. That also means Jesus really died. It really means that in the wilderness, Jesus was really tempted. It means that Jesus has genuine and actual compassion and love for people. Fully God and fully man. And all of that comes through our understanding of the virgin birth. And here we are at Christmas. Let's grow as disciples. Let's chew on that a little bit. Let's ask God to help us grow in our understanding of the virgin birth and why that matters. And so the next time you sing a song that has that lyric in it, or next time you hear the Christmas story or read the Christmas story with your family, and you get to that point, born of a virgin, think about that. This is God keeping his promise from Isaiah. This is God showing us him taking the initiative to help in our salvation. And this is the miracle of God and man in Jesus. So we want to love God with our mind. Amen? Christmas time is a chance to do that. So what about the next area of our discipleship in the area of habits? Loving God with the practice of our faith. I want you to uh, listen to this passage from... Um, 2 Corinthians, some habits, and, the, and it's going to go along with, uh, actually, let's just start with some of these habits. My bad. Uh, first of all, I'm going to give you four habits this morning uh, that, that you and I can be a part of and engaging in, and the first one is generosity. The first one is generosity. Listening to this passage, um, the Apostle Paul is affirming and encouraging the people of Corinth because of their generosity to people in need, their generosity with others, and um, listen to what he says. He says to them, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So the service that you perform, the generosity that you show, people of Hope Church, we are 16 months old, but you are a generous people. You have been giving and you have helped us make all of this possible. You've already been generous this week in bringing your gifts and, and for the Boys and Girls Club kids that we're sponsoring on our Family Blessings Project. Thank you for that. Way to go. Your generosity is visible. And you have been generous in your giving toward the new building that we're hoping to move into in a few weeks, a few months. Um, we are working on renovations, and we got big-ticket items there for heating and air conditioning and parking, and you guys have been generous. And so I want to affirm to you what Paul has said to them. Paul has said to them, and we're saying to you today, the service that you perform in your generosity is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expression of thanks to God. So let's give thanks to God for the generosity that he has put into the hearts of his people. Our generosity goes way beyond your giving at church. It goes 
toward the way you treat people that you meet. It goes to the way that you help people in need. Some of you are already doing that, but I encourage you to stretch your discipleship in this season and be generous. When you could give a dollar, give a little more. When you find a person and you have an opportunity to to help them out, maybe with a little bit of food, maybe you can help them out with a week's worth of food. When you have a person who has a need, be generous. And that not only helps the people, but it also turns into a moment where people are thanking God for the need that was met in their life. This is a season where we can grow in our habits of generosity. And by the way, if you're concerned about materialism, if you're concerned about your own selfishness, if you're just a little bit worried that you're going to be visibly disappointed when you open some of your presents, generosity is a tremendous antidote to all those things. As you stretch your heart to give and be generous. It will have a beautiful maturing effect on all those other aspects of our selfishness, of our materialism. So one of our habits ought to be generosity. Paul goes on in this passage, he says to them, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. Guys, this is huge. We don't want to be a church who just says we love Jesus. We want to show we love Jesus. Amen? We have this Love Murfreesboro team for a reason because we want the city to know we're here and there's darkness and there's hurt and there's need and on behalf of God, for God and for the people, we want to bring good in generous ways. We want to love and be kind in abundance. So give to your church, give to your friends, give to strangers, give to needs. This is a season to live out the obedience to accompany your confession of the gospel. I'm a Jesus person. I'm headed to heaven. The stuff of earth is no real importance because it will fade away. All right, demonstrate that. Christmas season is a great season to stretch your discipleship in the habits of generosity. Number two, second habit here is in the idea of hospitality. One of the beautiful ways that you show yourself to be a person of love in Christ is to be hospitable, to be welcoming, to be embracing, to be people who are not judgmental, but are open-armed and welcoming. If people that you meet over the holiday season are living a lifestyle that the Bible doesn't approve of, then let God deal with them. Your role is simply to love them. If you encounter people over the holiday who are just making boneheaded moves with their lives and you could so easily fix it, make sure you earn a right to be heard by loving them first. 
be hospitable and welcoming and make sure that when people are around you, they find they don't have to perform. Make sure that they are just enabled to, to be able to rest. Make sure that they are able to just be themselves. This is Christian hospitality. Hospitality isn't just putting out nice napkins. Hospitality isn't putting out the good towels in the bathroom. Hospitality isn't just offering someone uh, a beverage. Hospitality is the way you receive people. You may get to Christmas and a so-and-so in your family might have invited another person you didn't know was coming. And this person may have uh, some questions about who they are and how they live and all those kind of things. Receive them in the name of Jesus. How would Jesus receive them? How would Jesus treat them? What would Jesus want them to experience? Here we are in the holiday season. We have a chance to stretch and grow as a follower of Christ in our discipleship. People of God, I'm challenging you to extreme hospitality. Hospitality. Welcome and receive. Love and embrace There's nothing in that that has to do with tolerance or endorsement. There's nothing in there that has to do with compromising of biblical con uh, conduct and standards. But before you ever have an opportunity to tell people about Jesus, you need to show them Jesus in the way you treat them. Hospitality is all over the place at Christmas time. Whenever you meet someone, whenever you get around somebody, friend, family, stranger, make sure that their experience around you is warm and open and they can rest and be themselves. That's hospitality. Third habit that we can practice in loving God and practicing our faith is the area of worship. The angels worshiped, the shepherds worshiped, the wise men worshiped. Let's make sure we are worshiping at Christmas time. Make sure that we are taking a moment to adore him. Make sure that we are taking time to come let us adore him and bow before him and lay our lives before him and be in awe of the miracle of the virgin birth, to be in awe of the kindness of God who did not give us what we deserved but has given us grace and forgiveness through Jesus. Christmas is the celebration of that beginning of the salvation work. Let's worship God. One of the ways you can do that is by coming on Christmas Eve. And if you're not going to be in town on Christmas Eve, wherever you are, go somewhere on Christmas Eve to some kind of a worship gathering. I would, I would really, 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 really be surprised if wherever you're going for Christmas, there isn't somewhere you could go to some kind of Christmas Eve service. They're everywhere. So that before you get completely lost in the presence and before you get completely lost in the abundance of food, there's also a framing of your heart that says, this is what these days are about. This is what really matters in this time. And my heart is not given over to those things. My heart is first and foremost for God. Worship in this season 
Go somewhere on Christmas Eve. Worship in your car. Worship at your house. Find ways to be with him. Find ways to make sure that your heart is engaging God in this season. Practice your faith. Don't just sing a few songs. Practice your faith and worship him. Generosity, hospitality, worship, and then number four, devotionals. I'm challenging you in the Christmas season to practice the habit of some devotionals. This is when you take time alone with God for reading the Bible, praying, worshiping, and listening. Time alone with God for praying, worshiping, reading the Bible, and listening. Time alone with God. Powerful moments for you to be still in all of the busyness. Powerful moments for you to let God's Spirit do a work in your heart through His living Word. Time and devotional when you are getting alone and being still so that you can read the timeless, life-changing Word of God. Devotionals can make a big difference. And maybe if you're on Christmas break, this is a great time to start a habit if you don't already have a, a habit for devotionals. And maybe if you do, this is a time to shake it up. Maybe your devotional's a little dry and maybe it's become a duty and it's just a box you check and reading a Bible or reading something during the, the week. But maybe this is a moment in the Christmas season where you can say, I want to grow as a follower of Jesus. I've done a little scouting for you. If you have the Bible app, the, the version app, if you don't have this, you should go get it. I found two reading plans I recommend in this season. One of them is called All is Calm. You want to take a screenshot of that with your phone? You can, so you can find it later. And the other one is called God with Us, a, Chris, a Christmas devotional. All is Calm and God with Us. Those two things. Go and find them on the Bible reading app and spend some time with those just you and God. You can do that in the front seat of your car with you and your phone. You can do that sitting in a chair all by yourself. Find some time alone to be in the Bible, to pray, and to listen to God. These habits will be good for your soul. The testing is going to come. The temptation is going to come. Lock in to who you are in Christ and be with him. Yes, do things in his name, but be with him. It's so important. One other devotional option, uh, hopefully you've uh, taken advantage of the Right Now Media gift that we have, as a church have given you. Uh, I found one for you that's called The Chris Christmas Experience by Kyle Eidelman. And it's a six-week video session. And this is free. If you don't have Right Now Media, Take a shot of that QR code right there. Just open your camera on that, and it'll take you right to the, to the website. It's our free gift to you from People of Hope Church. Anybody can have this. There's no cost to you at all. And this will be on your phone, on your iPad, on your Apple TV, on your Amazon Fire, wherever you're using. Incredible, well-done, meaningful things that you can use to engage God during the holidays. Engage God during the holidays. Have a habit of a devotional time with God. You'll be so glad you did. Let it be said of us that when we hit New Year's, that we will say this Christmas season was one of the more maturing and developmental times in our lives. Let's lean in with our habits 
practicing our faith. Generosity, hospitality, worship, and devotionals. So the third aspect, it's not just the ideas of thinking and habits, but it's also character, loving God with our inner holiness, who we are on the inside. In Galatians 5, do we have Galatians 5 there? We do. It's amazing. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. But let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The fruit of the Spirit is what the Spirit produces in you. If you plant an apple tree, if you take good care of it, and life comes up through the apple tree, and the process is work, apples are produced as fruit. Go back to that first verse again. As you follow the Spirit, and you let His life come through your life, through devotional habits and other ways that you grow as you keep in step with the Spirit, then love and joy and peace and forbearance, which is patience, kindness, which is compassion, goodness and faithfulness, these things are produced as fruit out of your lives. So if you look at that list right now, the love, joy, and peace Is there room to grow in your life in that? Hello? There is. Let's spend time with God so that our character might be developed. Let me talk about three of these this morning. The first one is patience and forbearance. You're going to be challenged in patience over the holiday. Some of the people that you're going to be around, some of the situations you're in, you're going to go to a store and there's 4,700 people trying to check out and they have one cash register open at that point. And you're going to be thinking all kinds of thoughts. The leaders in the room will be like, I could fix this. Let me get somebody. I think I can figure out that cash register. I'm going to get in there myself. The other people in the room who just have a little shorter fuse, they might just say, I'm putting my stuff down right here and I'm shopping somewhere else. You lost my business. Not so sure that's the godliest response. But your patience is going to be tested this season. So before it is tested, would you be in prayer that the Holy Spirit would produce patience in you so that when the situations push your buttons, they do not trigger ungodly responses. You want to be growing and developing and maturing in your inner character, your inner holiness when you go home for Christmas and your mom says that thing that she says that always triggers stuff in you, that's not the time to look for patience. Before you go in the house, before you make the drive, before you get in the situation, be in prayer. And be desperate before God that the stuff of this world and the people of this world would trigger the fruit of the Spirit in you. This season, you're going to be tested. 
I'm going to be tested. And we need to ask God to grow us in this season in our patience. Patience has some other connotation here, some extra colors to it that I want us to understand. The NIV is a great word uh, here with the word forbearance. Um, the idea of forbearance is, is, is putting up with. It's not just patience, but it's enduring and putting up with from a motive of love. So you're, you're going to potentially... <laughs> I'm only laughing because I, I, this is my story often. You're going to go to a holiday gathering and you're going to be stuck sitting next to somebody you don't want to sit next to at dinner. Can I get a witness? And in that moment, success isn't that you refrained from blowing up. Success is, is that you were hospitable to that person. And you were long-suffering and forbearing with them. You were putting up with them. And you genuinely listened to them and counted them as people of worth. And you gave them attention and time and care. And maybe one of the reasons they're annoying is that they don't have anybody in their life who listens to them. Maybe one of the reasons they're annoying is that they don't have anybody who takes the time to come to a complete stop and say, I'm just gonna, I'm here with you right now. Because I know I got the rest of my day, I got the rest of my life, and these 45 minutes around the table before we go watch the football game, me and Jesus, we can do this. And I wanna have a moment that demonstrates on the outside what I want to be true of my Christ like character on the inside. Amen? This is a moment, a season to grow in our character, who we are in Christ. Patience is a big one. Oh my goodness, it's a big one. Number two, compassion. Kindness, that's one of the other fruit of the Spirit, kindness. This is a season to grow in kindness. The time you give to other people, the way that you show that they count, the time that you give to things you don't really want to give to. That's compassion and kindness. We've talked about this before at People of Hope related to marriage and other kind of things, but compassion takes the time to ask the question, what must it be like to be them? Compassion takes the time to ask the question, what must it be like to be them in their story, in all that's going on in their lives, in all that Christmas means to them. I'm going to just take a second. Instead of just reacting to their behaviors, I'm going to ask the question, what kind of hole in their heart is there that's causing their desperate need to be filled up with all kinds of stuff? What kind of insignificant thoughts about themselves are rumbling around in their mind? that caused them to be so needy and desperate for attention and to find significance through me and other things. What's their story? Aren't you grateful that God had compassion on us? Aren't you grateful that God showed us kindness? For it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. And here we are in some familiar territory like we've been studying in the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of those, Lord, I can't. But he can. 
And the call and cry of our heart is that I need to mature, Lord. I need to mature because this person grates on my nerves. I need to mature, Lord, because this person just sucks my time. I need to mature, Lord, because this person is such a drag and a burden on my joy. I need to mature, Lord, because I know what you want me to do is to show them kindness. But I'm so selfish. And I want to grow up in that. So would you, Lord, mercifully mature me so that compassion is what's in the air when I'm in the room? Everywhere I go this season, my compassion follow me everywhere. I want to hurt a little bit in my heart for some of these people who are hurting. I want to ache a little bit in my heart for some of these people who are aching. And I want to seek to understand them before I seek to fix them. And I want to seek to understand them before I seek to avoid them. Hello, this is a stretching word, amen? This is a season where we can grow in Christ. Patience, compassion, and then lastly in our inner character is self-control. Oh, man. <laughs> self-control. You know, the classic, the classic um, illustration of this used to be the food table at the holidays, right? I mean, you've got, you know, 14 dishes to serve three people. You've got desserts that are just a whole, there's a whole separate room of desserts. You might grow up in that kind of house. Like, you know, there's no room in here for desserts. They're in the other room. Uh, we couldn't bring them all in. And so, yes, self-control in the food area. Food is fuel, but food is also joy. Amen? Food is a gift of God, and flavors are a beautiful blessing of the Lord. Food's not the enemy. Self-control is the issue. So delight your heart but don't gorge your stomach. That's been the classic illustration, but I'm almost concerned in my own life, and I just want to be real here with you today. Sometimes the, the, the real issue of self-control comes for me with things like gift cards. I love gift cards. You like, you like gift cards? You like, like an, a, an Amazon gift card? That's one of the, like, you're just like a, the whole world of Amazon. <laughs> the whole world of Amazon. Click, two days, it's here. Sometimes one day. Some of that self-control is an issue of <laughs> what's going on on my inside when I'm scrolling through those screens. And it may be clean or it may not be. It may be righteous or it may not be. What I'm calling you to today is to say, God, we need self-control in our lives. So would you produce that fruit from the inside out? Give us strength and give us restraint. Teach us the word enough. And combine it with our generosity and our compassion and our kindness. Let's grow in our character, our inner holiness and patience, compassion, and self-control. Last section, we've talked about thinking, we've talked about um, 
habits, we talked about character, and now let's talk about relationships. This last issue of relationships, how you love God by loving others. This is where the holidays will trip a lot of us up. This is where things will get really, really difficult. So let's talk about loving God by loving others. I want to give you four ways to do this. Number one is that you would provide community for those who are disconnected. That you would include and invite those who are alone. That you would think about them. That you would provide community. One of the ways that you will love God through your relationships is by thinking of other people. And they may say, oh, no thanks, I've got this going on or whatever, but it's so cool that you thought about me. Who would God put on your heart to include or to invite? And that may not be sitting at the table with you on Christmas morning, but they may mean a cup of coffee or a trip to lunch or a shopping trip together or a hangout or some kind of way that to touch base with them during the holidays because if they're alone, the holidays probably don't feel the same to them as they feel to you. So one of the ways that we love God is by loving others. One of the largest currencies you have in your life is your time. And when you take the initiative to think of others, to give your time, to invite them to your table, to invite them to your living room, to hang out with them at a coffee shop, you are loving God in very powerful ways. God is worshiped and people are connected. And you can't undo what has happened in their life. And you cannot fix it all over a cup of coffee. But what you can say to them in that moment is, I see you. And I care about you. And I didn't want you to walk through this holiday without knowing that you are known and loved. You can love God by helping other people know they are Second way we can love God through our relationships is by inviting non-believers to church to hear the good news about hope through Jesus. All of us who are, are a work in progress, we still sin, we still make mistakes, none of us have perfect families, none of us have perfect lives, amen? Our hope is in Jesus, not in us. And if there's anything good about our lives, it's because Jesus has brought that change into our lives. If there are any blessings in our household, in our families, in our jobs, it's because God has made those possible. And if there's any sense of community through a community group or a Bible study or some time together or good church friends, that's all because of God. That's all because of God. And if there's any peace in our heart because of our past, if there's any cleanliness that has happened from all of our sins, we didn't do it. God has made us clean because we've believed in Jesus. And now we have hope for heaven. How many thousands are out there right now and they have no hope? They believe their own filthiness is the end of them. They are disconnected and alone and sad and depressed and discouraged. And they don't know there is a God. And they don't know that he has sent his son. And they don't know that there's a family where they could belong.
you want to love God by loving others this Christmas, invite them to church. And that has nothing to do with the organization. That has everything to do with you and me acting like the woman at the well. Come and meet this man. Come and meet Jesus. Come and hang out with us. You got issues in your world? We do too, but we know God. Come. Who's coming with you on Christmas Eve? Well, we won't be in town on Christmas Eve. Well, wherever you are at Christmas Eve, find somebody. Bring them. Because I guarantee you, any church that's got some, got some good stuff in it is going to be talking about Jesus on Christmas Eve. We are here. We're going to have a beautiful candlelight, amazing, sweet, warm time singing together and talking about the birth of Christ. And it's going to be great. We'll even have some hot chocolate. It's going to be great. Come on out. We're also going to talk about Jesus. Because hot chocolate never saved anybody. So if you want to love God, love others by inviting them to church to meet Jesus. Number three, serving through unselfish experiences. Going and doing because it means something to them. One of the ways that you can love God through your relationships in this holiday is going and doing because it means something to someone else. One of the more mature Christian responses to something in your family that you don't want to do is to just go do it. Because <laughs> not everything is about what we want. Hello? And the world doesn't exist to cater to our environments and preferences. Sometimes we go because it means something to somebody else. We'll be making some trips to some extended family over the holidays, and some of my older kids may be thinking, you get in the car because it means something to them, not because it means something to you. You get in the car because it means something to your mom, not because it means something to you. Because we're a generous people, and we're a loving people. And in this Christmas season, what we want to demonstrate is not entitlement or selfishness or demanding circumstances. What we want to do is be with people. And we want to serve. You got some family who wants you to go play putt-putt, and you're thinking, I hate putt-putt. It's the worst thing ever. It's evil. It's terrible. And it's not even a good putt-putt. They don't even have a windmill. You serve that person because they want to spend time with you. And this is what's meaningful to them. No one's asking you to go pro in putt-putt and spend every weekend playing putt-putt. This is likely an hour or two out of your life with this person's life. So I bring this stretching word to all of us this morning that one of the ways that you and I can follow Jesus during Christmas is by serving others and going and doing because it means something to them.
not because you've decided it means something to you. Lastly, number four, investing in your own family as you see strain in other families. Investing in your own family as you see strain in your own family. There's a chance you're going to be in an environment at Christmas time where you're going to be around family, yours or somebody else's, and everything in that family situation isn't what it could be or should be. You know what I'm talking about? Please don't raise your hands. We're not pointing at you or anybody else in the room. I'm sure it's not you. You're not your family. Maybe your family's the exception. But somewhere along the way, there's some strain, there's some tension, there's some harsh tones, there's some, that's not the way we do it, or that's not the way your grandmother did it, or that's not the way he likes it. There's going to be some strain, there's going to be some tension, there's going to be, well, fine, there's going to be a whole lot of those phrases from time to time. You may even encounter, and this is big, this is on my heart for us all today, you may even find fake warmth in a home. where you're related to people technically, but you do not have deep, close affection with these people. So the point in our talk this morning is, is that we're investing in our own family as we see strain in other families. If you see fake warmth somewhere this season, instead of judging that moment Turn and look at your own family and say, I don't ever want me and my wife or me and my kids to get to the place where we are related technically, but we have no genuine closeness. So I want to get close to my family. And if you see something ugly in somebody's behavior in a marriage, that ought to cause you to amp up the opposite in your own marriage. If you see some distance or some just really unattractive qualities in the way that people treat each other that ought to cause you to dial up the way that you invest in your own family. Take them to play putt-putt. When you see struggle in a marriage or in families, let that cause you to say, This rough thing wasn't always rough. There was a time when it was good, and ours is good, and I don't ever want it to to get rough. So how can I invest in my marriage? How can I invest in my kids? How can I invest in our time together? And it won't come by just staring at screens all the time. You're going to have to find ways to invest in each other and invest in your marriage and invest in your families this year. So people of God, you're going to be tested and tempted in this season. There's great opportunity here to grow as a follower of Jesus in your thinking, in your habits, in your inner character, and in your relationships to the glory of God, to the joy of your own heart. Let's pray. Father, we yield before you today and just tell you, God, we have a lot of room to grow. (laughs) We have a lot of places where we are not Christ-like and we want to grow. We want to be more like Jesus. So God, would you use this season? 
open up some quiet moments for us for devotional times. Point out the moments where we could be generous instead of stingy. Grow us and mature us in our patience and compassion. And Lord, would you bond our family together this season? Deepen our bonds this season, Lord. And everywhere we go, Lord, every person we meet, we want to represent Jesus well. We want to bring joy and hope. We want to bring hospitality and kindness. Oh, Lord, use us as salt and light in the season. Thank you, Lord, that our strength is not dependent on us. You are our strength. You are our hope. And if any fruit that is good is going to come, Lord, it's not because we're going to struggle and strain to produce it. You're going to have to produce it. So, Spirit of God, we yield to you. Spirit of God, we want to walk in step with you over the holidays. Spirit of the living God, come and produce lots and lots of fruit in our lives. Grow us up in Jesus in this holiday season. May we know you better and love you more deeply and serve you more faithfully and mature in the holidays of 2019. God, we pray right now for the people we'll invite to church. We pray that they would see Jesus and follow him. We thank you that you have come for us through Christ. We thank you for the manger, for the cross, and all that that means for our lives. You are good and great and kind. And our response is to present ourselves to you, God, for worship. So here I am to worship God. Here I am to bow down. Here I am, all of my days, all of my time, all of my moments, they're for you. Jesus' name.